one size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hi, this is Billie Jean King. This is Marion Bartoli. I'm Mats Villander. This is Mary Carrillo. This is Pam Shriver. This is Yannick Noah, and you're listening to The Tennis Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Tennis Podcast live from Wimbledon on day one of the championships. I'm Catherine Whitaker with me, David Law, Matt Roberts, overlooking our incredible position on Court 18, where live, as we speak, the court covers are pulling the covers over the court so it can go to sleep for the night. Oh. That is the court on which we saw Stan Varinka win today. We saw Veronica Kudamitova avoid the Kaya Kanepi banana skin. That was the first match of the day on course 18 day one's in the bag David we did it yeah we did it and it was such a day of halves wasn't it because the first few hours we came in all excited some of us came in about five hours before it started when he really didn't need to um, but I decided to come in at, you know 7 30 and get an omelette and walk around the grounds and take pictures and enjoy myself and then I'd sort of burnt myself out by the time one o'clock came around um, and well 11 o'clock none of, none of for this the sounds at all like you David no and, there, and then it was all a bit of a damp squib for a few hours and we were all a bit flat and nobody seemed to have any energy. Even I felt a bit low. And then it suddenly ignited. That mm. was my take from the day. And, and to really ignite it, can I just tell you that uh, for the benefit of anybody joining us on the live stream right now and for anybody listening, hopefully you'll be able to hear them, we have a crowd over 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 my right shoulder i think this is our first ever unexpected crowd for a tennis podcast there are people wearing merch over there that have bought us beers um not we people would... legends yeah legends <laughs> best yeah. lives are being lived it's like mtv in the 90s over here we would not have we did not bring them with us, these people, <laughs> and we have not paid them. No, none of them are being paid. <laughs> yeah. Um, let's, let's start with the good stuff, shall we? Let's start with the day igniting. For me, it ignited with Sophia Kennan over Coco Golf. I know there was, that was happening at a time and other good things were happening. It wasn't just this match. But I want to talk about this match because this was the heart of my day is one of the matches of the year for me. I absolutely loved it. Court one, a win for Sophia Kennan, 6-4-4-6-6-2. Undoubtedly her biggest and best since she won the 2020 Australian Open title. I know 
that's quite a low bar because it's been well actually i suppose since reaching the french open final of that year the the covid french open in october but but since 2020 i know that's a low bar for kenin it's been it's been wilderness and just to emphasize exactly how much wilderness it's been until very recently she lost in nottingham qualies to sonne cartel goodness yeah in straight nice. sets um, she has not been showing grass court form in the lead in here. She lost in French Open qualies. There were some green shoots in Indian Wells looking back. It's, it's easy to say now that we've seen her put in the extraordinary performance that she did today, but she pushed Rabakina to two tie breaks, didn't she, in mm. Indian Wells? And she was gutted after losing that one. It felt like she thought she was on the precipice of something, and she was right. That was Australian Open 2020 tennis from Sophia Kennan. And I haven't I haven't spent two and a half years thinking I miss Sophia Kennan, but it turns out I did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's she, gone straight onto your intensity list. She has. She? She's absolutely awesome. She did an apology fist pump, which is <laughs> one of my favourite things. The the sort of clean sweep, the the one smooth swift gesture of apology into fist pump it's it's absolutely epic we're talking about a match here where both players won points after falling over midpoint <laughs> i can't think of any better way to demonstrate how high quality this match was than than to tell you that it was absolutely brilliant was golf right all along that Kenin's game is still similar to twenty <laughs> yeah. to twenty twenty Australian Open Kenin. I mean gosh, isn't isn't women's tennis fantastic that there are so many players who have been there and done it at some point and you just you just don't know when they might spring back up again and make themselves relevant or remind you of how brilliant they were. There's it seems like every tournament we have this kind of conversation about someone. You know, they showed yeah, that so form that they'd shown in the past. And you just never know when it's going to be. And honestly, I mean, I watched Coco Goff's press conference from the media room on one of the screens. Catherine, I know you were there. And she seemed, she seemed pretty gutted, obviously. She'd clearly been crying. But I kind of was reminded of the comment that Andy Murray gave in press the other day where he said what would be a good tournament here well it's tough to say because it depends how you play like you could play badly and reach the fourth round or you could play well and go out in round one it mm. just depends I didn't think that Coco Goff was all that bad today I mean I think the forehand really did break down in that final set I thought for two and a half sets she was really good right. and got outplayed right but exactly she she faced the Grand Slam champion in Grand Slam winning form in round mm. one it, it was a nightmare for her and Kenim was was so good I was I was a, I was a bit alarmed at how hard Coco Goff was on herself in that press conference it was only 20, 20 or so minutes ago and she speaks so well when she's upset she was clearly upset she'd clearly been crying she didn't want to hang around in that press conference room and yet she, she gave you the feeling that she was happy to give you the, the time and energy and really consider your questions which I, I really appreciate but she thought that match was all on her racket. And maybe it is in that she's a more aggressive player than Sophia Kennan. So maybe you're always going to feel like the match is on your racket. But I think it's not giving Kennan enough credit for how utterly brilliant she was today. That was a performance that 
the best players in the world would have struggled to to beat, mm. I think, from Kenin. I suspect for Goff, it's easier to stomach if she thinks I could have done something more. Because next time, she'll think, I just need to put right the things that I got wrong this time. Um, and in truth, I mean, and look, there may well be things that, that could have improved. I... I I was watching the match from the centre court commentary box on the monitor. It was that kind of match that even though we'd got a match in front of us and we got all of our pundits in the commentary box, we were we had Feliciano Lopez and Greg Rosetsky on BBC Radio. Um, but we're, we're also got an eye on this match, this absolutely spellbinding match, which I, I'm struggling. I know it's recent, so... You, that probably influences my view, but I can't, I'm struggling to think of a better first-round match than that. You can't Same. really get better than that. Maybe seven, six, and a third, but in terms of quality and drama within every single point. But, I mean, in truth, that you mentioned to me that the the forehand of Goff started to go at the end, which I think is probably one of those things that happens when you're right on the edge and you're holding on and you it's the last chance saloon and, and this is the moment maybe it goes. But it's Kenin that caused that. That's the thing, isn't it? And, you know, I was watching it quite closely and um, the edge that she's got as a competitor, I hate, hate to use the word feisty, but she is the epitome of that. She is on in everything and she's sort of struts about the place as if she can't wait for the next point to come she doesn't want to think about the last one she wants this one now and I'm going to take this point and every point and you're going to have to deal with it and watching golf who's an ultimate competitor trying to stare that down and and I love I love Coco Goff in post-match press conferences even when she's sad even though it's it's hard to see because it matters so much Mm. to her she feels these losses because she wants it so badly yeah, I, look, I think she could have faced a less good opponent today and the forehand would look great. I, the, the problem is when it gets tight, it can still break down. I, I, I do think she's making changes to it. I just think, and if, and if, if there were a, a miraculous two-month break in the middle of the season, then I think she'd probably fix it and it'd be brilliant. But there isn't even a two-month break at the end of the season. Mm-hmm. Certainly not if you want to squeeze in a trip to the Maldives <laughs> which is a prerequisite <laughs> which, for any who, top 20 who player wouldn't. Um, so yeah I'm torn between thinking sometimes I think it's a cop out when players come in and say oh they, they were just great today this was nothing to do with me I love to see a player take responsibility in the way that Coco Goff did and it's so admirable for someone of her age but equally <laughs> I do think Kenin had a bit more to do with it than, than she perhaps realises and generally, I'm torn on Goff's season because, you know, not to not to sound too much like Rafael Nadal, but she's doing very well in the race. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, she's she's comfortably in the top eight, I think, in the race. Mm. And and yet, it feels like almost every podcast we're talking about problems with the forehand and the fact that she seems to have hit a little bit of a ceiling and. You know, so I think it just shows how good she already is, still a teenager. Um, but I think she's desperate for more, isn't she? Mm. And that, that, that always feels like what we're judging her against, what, what she feels like she could be. And it does feel like the game at the moment is obviously still in good enough shape for her yeah, to be top eight in the race, but it also feels like it's it's holding her back a little mm. bit, and and 
how does she find the time how does she find the moments to improve it I, I just don't know and if she doesn't I don't know step away for for whatever reason and, and work on the game like you know she just keeps playing it feels very hard to snap out of this rhythm that she's in at the moment and people are just going to keep targeting that forehand and keep breaking it down in the way that Kenin eventually did today and I don't know. It's it's just a tough place to be in at the moment. It must be awful to have an obvious weakness that a, that an opponent can target. No matter how brilliant the rest of your game is, it must feel like having your your pants pulled down. It's, it feels almost court. mean. Yeah, mm. being picked on. You <laughs> stop know, being so mean to my forehand. <laughs> yeah. We all know it's rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> just stop giving me them. Give me give me backhands because I'm really good at those. I'm on the list. If um. If Kenning can keep this up, and obviously that's a big if, and that the whole, you know, the whole point of the discussion is is the if. But if she keeps this up, she's going deep. She looked so like a player that had come through qualifying and become comfortable. The way she was timing the ball, mm. every split step felt like it was timed it's such to the an advantage. split, split, split second perfectly. I mean. Obviously, it's precarious. You could go out in qualifying and earn not very much money and not very very many points, and nobody's choosing to go into qualifying. But I, I have often thought over the course of the last 20 years that it would benefit certain players to, to be able to enter the qualifying voluntarily or to not have a wild card. Would Emma Raducanu be a US Open champion if she'd been given a wild card? I think it's unlikely, or I think I think it's less likely. Put it that way. I mean, it was it was unlikely as it was, <laughs> <laughs> but it's certainly less likely because you come in on momentum and you come in feeling good. You used to the surroundings, and your tournament has already started, and the other player down the other end is dealing with the nerves of getting started. And she wasn't nervous at all. I, th- I felt like she started like a little bit nervous at the start of the second set when suddenly she had something to lose, but she. She managed to brush that off and just get back to stomping around the court. It's <laughs> the stomp. It's the stomp I said I've missed. And I forgot the stomp two years ago. With the sort of head bulb. Yes, it's the it's, stomp. It's great. I love it. The strut is someone else. The strut is Venus Williams, I always think. Well, moving on to Venus Williams, because the reason that you were unable to, to come and watch the, um, the match of the year that I was describing <laughs> on court one, I was like, where are you, Matt? The match of the year is happening on court one. Matt was detained with Venus Williams on centre. I started off the match with you. I watched the, the absolute worst part of the match before I eventually had to leave. This match did start in the most ominous possible way, didn't it? Yeah, well, it started with Venus Williams playing brilliantly the first couple of games she was timing the ball so sweetly I have not watched an awful lot of Venus Williams live just because since I've been traveling to tennis events Venus Williams has 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 been around obviously but she's not been winning as many matches as she used to was she pro when you were born this is what he wanted (laughs) David he wanted an opportunity to (laughs) to point out how young he is. She was yes, she turned she right into his hands she's been, there. She's been pro for 29 years and I'm not 29. She she was in the US Open final in 1997. How old were you? Uh, one. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, I mean, that is sort of the point. Like Wimbledon is all about tradition and I'm sure that people would have come to Wimbledon in 1998 and there will be aspects of this tournament that are still exactly the same. But one thing you don't expect to be exactly the same 
25 years later is Venus Williams still playing on centre <laughs> court. It was absolutely remarkable just to see her walk onto court as we did. Um, but yeah, I, I haven't seen that much of her. And honestly, no one that I've seen hits the ball like Venus Williams. You know, we often talk about players sort of on the run at the when they're at their extremity, like reaching for the ball they can sort of generate real power in that moment well Venus can do that off any ball because of her extension and her long levers and her reach and when when she times it I mean it's as sweet as ever her strike on the ball and it was a great start to love up but then in the third game she slipped over chasing down a ball and sort of howled and screamed in pain it was I I was on court one at the time and listening to commentary and I mean we had the the sound effects through our earphones and you almost wanted to take your earphones off it was so shocking Mm. the the noise she made Uh, and I mean to be honest I didn't think she was going to be able to carry on having heard that but I I, I thought we were in wheelchair territory The, the fact that she then got up and walked to the chair even was astonishing and then the fact that the trainer came out and assessed her and without, and without any treatment then left the court and up gets Venus Williams to resume play. Mm. It seemed only minutes earlier the prospect of that seemed yeah. ludicrous. And you used the word shocking, David, and that was the word that Venus used repeatedly in her press conference just to describe how she was feeling. You know, mm. she, she said she was just in shock even in the press conference. Uh, she said, I was... I was literally killing it, and then I was killed by the grass. And she was absolutely devastated because she really thinks she's in in some good form at the moment. And those first those first couple of games did prove it. She really struggled after that. Uh, missed a lot of short balls. Was sort of moving quite gingerly over to that side. She said she'll have to see tomorrow what it is that she's done to her knee. She does think that there is an injury there, probably. Um, and it was just. It was just gutting because, yeah, as I said, those those first two games we saw how good she can still be, um, and yeah, and the match ended in a really on a really bum note. Really, it was really such a shame. It was one of those where Svitolina's hit a return that was called out. She's challenged it. It's in, and then it's up to the umpire to decide whether or not to award the point straight to Svitolina or to replay the point. And she awarded the point to Svitolina. Venus was not happy about that at all, gave the umpire a, a head shake rather than a handshake and, and left the court. And she, she was asked about that in the press. And she said, well, I just didn't, just didn't agree with the call. And it was that kind of day. Uh, and it was, all, it was all just such a shame, really, because mm. those first few moments of seeing Venus back on centre court was so, so special. Uh, and, yeah, it, it, was, it just it didn't deserve to to end like that it seemed again I, I didn't see the whole match the way you did but it seemed like one where it was quite difficult to gauge how Svitolina's playing whether she's in any kind of shape to do what she did in Paris here yeah I, I think that's fair I mean she played a smart match she was pretty ruthless um, but you know she lost two in love I think to Linda Fruvertova in, in Birmingham I wasn't expecting too much from Svitolina on the grass even though I think she's a semi-finalist here isn't she Mm. but just looking now she's in the Kenin section of the draw they would they would meet in the third round if they so if they both win one more match calling it the Kenin section 
Apparently I am. <laughs> she deserves it after today. <laughs> um, Iga Shontek was a convincing winner in the first match on court one today over Zhu Lin. Did we learn anything from this in terms of all the various questions, David, that we have about Iga Shontek and grass? I would answer yes. And I, I can't 100% remember her performance in the first round last year in reaction too. But first of all, I think she did play well. I think there were reminders of the Iga Shiontek that dominates tennis at times throughout the year um, and wins matches with bagels and breadsticks and all the rest of it. She was five love up. She she had chances to win a six love set. David was inquiring about bagel stats. Yes, well I had them to <laughs> hand. I in fact I had them in the uh, in the notes in the sort of media oh. information notes that since the start of 2022 she'd won 37 six love sets and she was about to win her 38th and then she she didn't. <laughs> Fair play to Julie next. She hit some great shots at that point. But it look it was par- partially the the tennis she played she did look I would say improved on grass and I actually think she was playing somebody who hits the ball really flat and really well on this surface but the bigger tell for me was her reaction at the end Mm. the excitement she leapt into the air and punched the air like she'd just reached the semi-finals and I thought Here's somebody who's not hanging on to a 37-match winning streak like she was a year ago, sort of just trying to keep it going. Here's somebody who looks really excited about a new thing, about a new opportunity to to play Wimbledon, to play grass court tennis, and to try to see if she can do what she does everywhere else here. And she's clearly not as comfortable on it, but I just loved the sort of childlike excitement about her and, and in an interview on court afterwards you, you saw it and I, th- I felt like the crowd really met her halfway there, there was a meeting of mentality there of some of people that were enjoying her enjoying herself mm. yeah I was I was left with the same impression actually after hearing Sviontek in the on-court interview she was she was buzzing with how she played and I thought she just made this really interesting point about kind of as David's saying this grass court swing this year is something totally new for her whereas last year it was a continuation of the streak and Mm. I and I love well first of all I love how she calls it the streak (laughs) you know it's just that is what it's called it's my streak uh and what if she goes on another streak will Mm. she have to rename the the first streak the streak two (laughs) Like how this time it's personal. <laughs> like how World War One wasn't called World War One after World War One. It was called the Great War. The Great War. I've brought up, I've brought up war unnecessarily. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so we're we calling it the Great Streak and Streak Two. There you go. Mm, okay. We'll we'll finesse we'll that. Work on that. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, I just think last year she was still so wrapped up in that streak, and she was. She said still overwhelmed by winning a slam. Like, to her, back then, winning slams was new to her. Yeah. Whereas now, it's just a thing she does. <laughs> All the time. Yeah. So I think she's really been able to sort of separate the French Open from Wimbledon this year in a way that she wasn't last year. It was, it was still so much on her mind last year, trying to defend the streak. Whereas this year, it's just like, OK, the grass. I've achieved my goal of winning the French Open. I'm now on the grass. And... 
She spoke a little bit about how last year she did some very specific grass court preparation with her coach in terms of slice and touch shots. And this year it's been more about just sorting out her baseline game and getting her footwork right on this surface. And I think this is a totally different Wimbledon for Riga Sviontek compared to last year. And going back to what we said the other day, the draw is a big big factor mm. there as well she um, she referred once again to her week in Bad Homburg last <laughs> week as practice <laughs> <laughs> I would suggest representatives from the Bad Homburg tournament stop stop tuning in to Igor Shontek press but, conferences but by the way I, I am I've just started working my way through the uh, the Netflix uh Mm. episode 6 to 10 because as you know I've yet to watch them and I've yet to hear your review of them um, but I decided I, <laughs> given if, if you're not listening to our podcast <laughs> what hope have we got <laughs> given that um, I've been busy right? Yeah. Um, given that um, I was commentating on a match here as I thought I'd better watch her episode uh, Francis Jaffa was good in it wasn't he <laughs> but actually I felt as here I am, somebody who covers tennis full time, and I felt I learned stuff about her, or at least it it underlined. It really gave me some depth to what I thought I knew, which is about her as an individual, and about I often talk about how I feel she's she's walking a very fine line mm. between loving life on the tennis tour and enjoying the success and everything else that comes with it and actually not enjoying it and and it being all too much and I think that really came across in this show and and the sort of structure that she's got around her to keep her in the mindset that she she needs to be in order to be successful yeah I think they portrayed that really well in the Netflix show and if you would like to hear Matt and my review then become a friend of the tennis podcast that applies to you as well okay david that show is up now um and that tunnel vision that she has to have in order to to do what she's doing i think was portrayed really well in that episode and again it it, i mean it comes across repeatedly because it's so big a part of who she is and her her mindset but she was asked a question by a friend of the show charlie eccleshire from the athletic today again about the cohort of American women on tour. I think he's working on uh, a piece about that. And she just didn't, she couldn't engage with it at all because it was about other players. She just said, I only think about me. I only think about my game. I just, she sort of was bamboozled about it. Like, that's not my, that plane doesn't exist in my mind. And it was, again, very illustrative of of how she operates and it's a it's a very unique way but you can't argue um with the success of it when you're ready to pop the question the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring at blue you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online choose your diamond and setting when you found the one you'll get it delivered right to your door Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. 
Hello Tennis Podcast listeners, David here. Now you might know that I love a bit of cooking, and I think I'm quite good at it. But if I'm honest, even I get fed up trying to work out what to do every night. That's where Home Chef comes in. Being able to put together a delicious meal without the long prep and the cook times, well that's pretty cool. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. They have over 30 options a week and serve a variety of dietary needs, so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering Tennis Podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and, of course, free shipping on your very first box. Go to homechef.com slash tennis. That's homechef.com slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right. That match on court number one was interrupted by rain, but not not really disrupted by rain mm. they came off for the rain the room the roof came on court number one they resumed the match with what turned out to be two or three games to go over on center court defending champion Novak Djokovic was playing what turned out to be a pretty unremarkable tennis match against uh, Pedro Cachin barring a very stressful nerve-filled start mm. to the match but once he overcame that Djokovic it was exactly the sort of match that you'd expect I think Kashim was playing just his second ever tour level match on grass um, but the rain came after the first set and the roof closed then once the roof was closed the court was inspected um, and it was deemed unplayable it was deemed too wet to play on for for close to 90 minutes I think and there were some depending on how you look at it some comical or farcical scenes involving Novak Djokovic a towel and a leaf blower and various different (laughs) tournament officials I I found it all highly amusing (laughs) Um, and it it wasn't an issue with the roof the roof closed just fine Uh, Tim Henman on the BBC's coverage again at this point and I'm not I, I think this might still be the case full investigations hadn't been completed as to what was going on but he thought it was an issue with the acclimatization system that exists on center and number one court to regulate the temperature and the humidity of the court once the roofs are closed he described it as the court sweating yeah um a cl- club statement on the matter every care is taken by the championships uh, when checking the courts are fit for play following a rain delay as player safety is our top priority in this instance centre court took longer to dry than anticipated furthermore given indications that the rain was due to stop imminently the decision was taken to resume play with the roof open the players were regularly updated during this time and they, they certainly didn't have any issue with the court being deemed unplayable did they I mean n- nobody not least heavy favourite for the title Novak Djokovic wants to get out there on no you've got to be so careful on anything other than um, dry grass Uh, I hope they get to the bottom of this though because it is going to rain tomorrow (laughs) we've been discussing wet weather positions (laughs) yeah (laughs) plan B is going to be back Um, okay yeah, so, and it's, you know, Andy Murray's playing tomorrow. I mean, it would be, you don't want this to happen to anybody, but that's obviously Murray, Peniston is prime stuff. And also, spoiler alert for when we look ahead to tomorrow's schedule, 
surprisingly, that match has been scheduled second on centre court. Now, the traditional Andy Murray slot that all the broadcasters, most notably the BBC here in the UK, want is third slot on mm. centre court because then you get the biggest audience, people coming home from work, sticking the and, tennis on. And it's several years since he's not, not played, played that, that slot. Is that it slot. really? We, we think, we don't know this, but Matt's dug out from his extraordinary memory bank the fact that Andy Murray in recent years has suffered from matches where the roof has been closed mid-match because he stiffens up because he's an old man with a metal hip um and once you mentioned that Matt it really triggered a memory for for me just the sort of 20 minutes or so that it takes he really really did stiffen up during that period so I wondered if maybe that was a, a factor in that scheduling but hope they get to the bottom of it um and no more grass sweating because it mm. sounds gross well it's, it's it's having been on court one at the same time as that rain came down i mean the, the first thing that struck me is it's the first chance that the court coverers had had chance to do their stuff right <laughs> and i our commentary box on bbc radio is court level in the corner of the court we are right next to one of the ball kids <laughs> if you can imagine the court coverers as 30 Billy Jeans, your dog, being thrown a ball. She's watching, by the way. Right? <laughs> being thrown a ball to chase. That was like watching the court covers. They just could not wait to get cracking and just to show what they can do. And they went scampering onto the They're court. They're all thinking, oh, my nan's watching yeah, this. Yeah, and they were, I mean, they were amazing. I, they were amazing. The, the intensity and the energy and, and so forth. One of them fell One over. Them fell and over, yeah. and the, the court, the cover came over his head. Oh, dear. They got up and did it, did his job. But, I mean, the speed was amazing. And then the, the, the roof was coming on. And, look, I, I don't. Maybe maybe they were a bit late. I think maybe they, they let maybe they let the the tennis continue for a couple of points, and may, more rain got on the court on centre than it did on court one. I mean, it kind of depends when the rain comes, I suppose. Yeah, I think that was the suggestion that play had gone on a little bit too long on centre court, maybe even just ninety seconds because they wanted to finish the first set. Mm. Um, and I think a lot of the journalists went into Djokovic's press conference maybe I don't know looking for a line they probably wanted to talk about a bungling of the uh, <laughs> my favourite word <laughs> of of the um, tabloid journalists love a bungling yeah uh, but actually <laughs> but actually Djokovic really played it down and said actually I think the umpire made the right decision it was the right decision to finish that set who knows whether that did make the difference but it was yeah it was unfortunate that it was unplayable for so long because you know, it's just it's just not a great look when you've got an amazing roof and <laughs> plays happening elsewhere. The, and the world, the, the defending champion is wafting a it. towel around. Yeah, I I found it highly amusing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it is yeah. it is also you know you you're doing your best. Oh, and, totally. and it's like all of these courts and they're all trying to sync up and. It's such an inexact science, isn't it? I mean, having worked at Queen's on a, the same surface where they don't have a roof, and you know, Graham Kimpton and his team, the the, the attempts to foresee what's going to happen mm. and when to do things. I mean, you know, you do your best. The, the, all of that did mean, though, that was there was a period on day one of Wimbledon, which you know, day one of slams is usually. I, I worry for Matt's health because. 
they're just there aren't enough screens there aren't enough eyeballs there isn't enough energy in the world it gets a bit stressed. I <laughs> humans have not evolved well enough for day one day two not even, day three even or four matt roberts the most advanced the most advanced of humans yeah usually i worry for matt on day one of slams but there was there was quite a substantial portion of the <laughs> afternoon today where the only thing happening at Wimbledon was Casper Rude. <laughs> bringing the house down. <laughs> <laughs> and it's luckily for everybody involved in tennis, that match actually turned out to be really quite entertaining. It really did, yeah. Because it, <laughs> it needed to be. It needed to be, yeah. People, people needed entertaining. Uh, because, yeah, I mean, Rude went five love up and... I think everyone was thinking, hang on a minute, this, this guy hasn't played on grass on a grass court in a year. And he's playing Lauren Lockerley, who had qualified. You know, we've, we've just talked about how dangerous qualifiers can be. I, I thought this was a, a tricky match for Kasparu, but he, he came out of the blocks flying. But then it really did turn into a tricky match. Lockerley made it fun. He really did. He He's... He can come again. Yeah. <laughs> He's great fun. Yeah, he, he, he got the crowd involved. He, he, he was constantly coming forward to the net. He was hitting some massive forehands down the line. He was really rattling Kasper Rude for quite a portion of that match. And in the end, I think that's a good win for Rude. Mm. He, he's, in a, he's in a very open section of the draw. He plays uh, Liam Brody next, actually, which is really interesting. I think Brody got, got a straight sets win today. But oh, Rude, Hang on, Matt. You've missed something out there. Oh, David, who did uh, Brody play? He he beat an, uh, perhaps a subpar Constant Lestien. <laughs> or is that today. just par for Constant Lestien? Or maybe Liam Brody played out of his mind. He did. He played really well. There well, there you go then. He dealt, Leave Constant he, alone. He dealt, he dealt with the Lestien non- nonsense <laughs> really well. Yeah, I, I think Liam Brody is very well equipped to deal yeah. with nonsense because he's had to play Nick Kyrgios mm. and deal with all that in Australia um, so yeah he, I think he almost enjoys it a bit mm. yeah <laughs> well very different because there's no nonsense from Casper Rude uh, but well, unless someone shouts yar in someone's face <laughs> imagine if he came out and he happens, just decided so. oh, I'm going to be nonsense guy today <laughs> yeah, yeah I mean, it, his section of the draw I when I came to do my predictions, if you told me that I would have been sitting there hovering over putting Casper Ruud in the quarterfinals, I'd have laughed you out of town. But then you look at the draw and you're thinking, well, who else? Well, who? See, I don't I, think I have got him in there. I think so who I went for Chorich in that section, but I have no idea who I chose. With no confidence whatsoever. In fact, I think Chorich might even be—he's uh, suspended overnight, I think—and not in a good place. Oh, okay. okay. Um, there's a few people not in a good place suspended overnight. There's uh, Dan Evans, two yeah. sets to love down, I think. Or, uh, yeah, two sets down like overnight. One-sided sets as well. What, do you know what that's crying out for, David? A David Law voice note for him to wake mm. up to. <laughs> do you know, and actually the crowd said... <laughs> Did they? They said to me, what would David say to Dan Evans overnight? when he's two sets down. That is a good question. David does text Dan Evans quite regularly, so this is is something that could happen. (laughs) I mean, that's... I don't know what you say at this point, because he was quite... I mean, he said in his press comments before this tournament that after Queen's, where he'd been really down on himself, down on everything, that he wasn't playing well, he was playing terribly. And he said, but I've managed, I've worked on things and I've managed to put things in place. And I, and I, was, I didn't quite get around to asking him, 
how much can you achieve in mm. practice yeah. to actually change your fortunes as a match player? Well, well especially given after his loss in the first round of the French Open, yeah. he came in and he said, I'm practicing great. I've been practicing just as well as I always do. I'm just yeah. not winning the matches. I mean, Russell Fuller, our tennis correspondent, was watching the match, and he did say that Elise played a couple of show-stopping sets. I mean, I, I think he is one of those players that when once he gets on a roll, he's he's pretty awesome, and he's I guess he comes in a little bit free. Mm-hmm. Where I think Evans at Wimbledon in recent years has been coming in quite tight, quite inhibited by the the fact that he's at Wimbledon the fact that he wants it so much and all eyes are on British players and you know and here he is with a decent ranking that he builds all year round and he hasn't got me on the third round I don't think here and and last year he lost to Jason Kubler in in pretty straightforward fashion although Kubler as Dan reminded me did actually end up having a good run so there there are extenuating circumstances there but Look, I haven't spoken to him, but I think that those two sets today are going to be uh, will have been torture for him because he, imagine that you're at home, you know you can play on grass. This is the moment to show it, and for whatever reason, you find yourself what was it six two six three something mm-hmm. like that. I mean that's that's a tough ask, but just imagine if he came out and turned it around tomorrow. That could turn his whole year around. Say that. That's what so you should what, say. Your voice text. There, yeah. So there we are, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> Look, new day tomorrow. <laughs> Get out there and show them what us Brummies are all about. Uh, Dennis Shapovalov is a set down to Randy Albot overnight. What you got for him? Who? Who's a set down? Dennis Shapovalov. Dennis Shapovalov to Randy you know. Albot. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I I did hear there was a bit of aggro in that yes, as well because mm. uh, Shapovalov wasn't happy with how. Radu Albot was sort of swaying and swinging before Shapovalov was about to serve, I think. Right. And then and then Shapovalov started doing it back to Radu oh. Albot. Well, Shapovalov <laughs> never needs a second invitation to kind of kick off, really, in those sort of situations. He did it situations. against Dahl, didn't he? So what, he's, he, they've been suspended a set and a break. Yeah, it's, a he, was a, he was set a break. And, it's now a set and, a set and two all. I mean, look. He qualified rather well, but my dad watched him in qualifying last and, week. And well, that's another great indicator of how strong qualifying makes a player when they come in. And look, Albert is, has been around for years. He's a good pro. He's, he, he, he he does what he does, and I know that's damning with faint praise. But look, he I think he is a limited player that's at the very highest level. I know it is. It's not getting but any better. Is Denis it? Shapovalov should be wiping the floor with him. Frankly, and he's in a really good section of the draw. Denis Shapovalov. He should be saying, "Well, he should be quoting Taylor Fritz and saying, this is my time.' Yeah, because uh, that's apparently what Taylor Fritz was shouting like on court today uh, after winning the fourth set against Yannick Hampfman. He shouted, "It's my time! It's my time!" <laughs> that's quoted from Hannah. Um, so he suspended. No, yes, he suspended mm. overnight. Um, in a fifth set against Hanfman. That's, it's that's either big ta- for Taylor Fritz. It's either Taylor Fritz's time or my time in the predictions <laughs> <laughs> because I had Yannick Hanfman winning that today. Um, so, yeah, those ones suspended overnight. A few others as well. Yannick Sinner cruised um, in the final match of the day on centre court. David, you watched this against the inferior Surundalo. <laughs> in tennis terms, yes. I'm sure in other ways... <laughs> Here's the thing. 
I, I mean, <laughs> Surindalo lost 6-2, 6-2, 6-2. I thought he played quite well. <laughs> Um, and apparently, you know, he's never, I don't think he's ever played on grass before, or he's never, you know, he's certainly never played on centre court before. Um, and a couple of things struck me today in this match, and also even in just the knock up after the rain in Shantek and uh, Julin, is just how good these tennis players are at hitting tennis balls when it's straight down the middle, back and forth. You know, when there's no movement involved, when there's no stress involved, they're just incredibly good at hitting tennis balls um i know that's not exactly news but it just when you're sitting Clip there that up matthew that's, <laughs> i'll pull the punt that's why we've gone live <laughs> on the sidelines i'm telling you that would have been edited out wouldn't it uh, on the sidelines when you're sitting there you just you're like blimey neck look at these two hitting the ball but it didn't matter what Sarundalo did Sin out an answer for it and I know that's a it's a pretty tame first round draw but my sense was here's a guy who's been given centre court billing and in the past when he's had that billing he's been the opponent he was the opponent of Carlos Akraf and he beat him last year in four sets he was the opponent of Novak Djokovic he went two sets to love up and then Djokovic took over this time he was on centre court for himself and look he was fantastic and the penultimate point of the match if ever a guy is going to win me over give me a Pete Sampras slam dunk smash unnecessarily two feet off the ground rising like a basketball player to hit a smash away yeah and it was a blooming good imitation as well it was really great and and when they when he left the court I mean I think some of it is to do with finishing at 9pm and the crowd are in and the lights are on and everybody feels well they've ordered a couple of these and they all feel like they're, they're part of an occasion but he left that court to a standing ovation and I think the people that saw him felt we've been entertained and we've and we've also seen somebody that we might be seeing in about 10 days time oh oh that- where did that's one of those things that semi-finals, makes me have to do maths to find semi- out what day of the Semi-finals against is. Novak Djokovic. Do, I think I had that in my predictions. Mm. I think that's happening. Yeah, okay. Um, another match that you watched today, David, something that's very not ha- very much not happening. Felix Auger-Eliassime lost to Michael Moe. Yeah, I, I, I got sent out to that match on Five Live unscheduled. But he went a set down and they sent me out because, you know, Felix Auger-Eliassime is a quarter-finalist here from a couple of years ago he's been a Grand Slam semi-finalist he's supposed to be the next big thing that's what he was billed as by all of us you know we're all guilty of that and it's a story isn't it that he's a set down get over there he wins the second set honestly it was it wasn't a fun match it wasn't entertaining it was it was arduous it was just a slog for both guys and at, you know at one point I think I left it they called me away because I've got to go to the cinema match I came away and it was seven six six seven three all juice and you think crikey this one's gonna go forever <laughs> um and I so I was a little bit surprised to find out that Michael Moe ended up winning the match but then you look at you look at Felix's knee strapped up all strapping around the kneecap that does not look like a good situation at all yeah I read through his press conference transcripts and I, cu- I couldn't quite make sense of what's going on with that knee he said I'm fit to play it's clearly something but he said I- I'm able to play and I thought I'd be able to do better 
honestly sounded all over the place to me. Um, and that's something he's not ever been before. He might have had disappointing results before or disappointing relative to expectations perhaps but he's it's always felt ordered and mm. controlled Every, that's that's his vibe isn't it and it doesn't feel that yeah. at the moment and that must be very disconcerting and i think on court and off court you know on court he's all about being methodical and mm. ordered and structured and we so often talk about his lack of a plan b and his lack of sort of flexibility and inability to adapt and feels a little bit like that's affecting him now off court as well he's yeah he's 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 no longer on the sort of straight and narrow knows where he's going he's he's got injuries to consider and it sounded to me like he wouldn't have been playing if this wasn't a grand slam tournament and he said he's got a problem with his with his tendon that it's been going on for several months tendon doesn't sound good does it no. I feel for him because yeah. when you you're so he's another one like Coco Goff and just got that appetite for it. He's desperate to show what he's all about and to live up to the potential and there's no questioning his work ethic and all these things and when an injury comes along like that a nagging one as well that you kind of can play but mm. should you it's really hard to say no I won't. It's really tough to do that but you know, at some point he's got to he's going to have to fix that because clearly he's not the player he would be if he was fully fit. Can I say something a bit harsh? Okay. He shouldn't have his own logo. <laughs> I, I, I was, do you know, I looked up Yannick Sinner's logo as preparation mm, for my Sinner's commentary got one today. As well. he, he, Yannick oh, yeah. Sinner's it's, got it. It's, it's labelled. He's got a pamphlet. Yeah. Describing how <laughs> his logo came about, and it's actually quite quite good. I'm the sure. pamphlet. Hold, design it. Someone yeah. hold it back until you've won something. <laughs> I, I, mean, I, honestly, I there's a sort of funny. There's a funny side to this. I'm sort of half joking, but I also think that's serious pressure going out there with your own flipping logo on. There was a time, it was, it was, Federer, Nadal, Djokovic that started the own logo thing. Yeah, and they started it because they turned out to be the three greatest tennis players that men's tennis has ever seen. Yeah. That doesn't mean everyone that's ever won an ATP 500 goes out there and gets their own logo. I do agree. I do agree. I, th- I, mean, I mean, it might sound a bit harsh, but I do think, come on, you know. Just wait. What, what, why would you have a logo at this stage in your career? Uh, mm. Yeah. It's too I, late now, though. You can't, can't row back from uh, having your own logo. But also, I mean, just a very final thought, because I because I always feel... I mean, obviously, Felix Ogier-Aliassime is the story here. I think Michael Moser is, at this level, he is limited. But he's come through qualifying, and he's won that match. And here he is in the second round. All credit to him. Yeah, hear him. Uh, same goes to Alexander Bublik. The Halle curse. He has done broken. what only Roger Federer has ever been able to do. So the limp I spotted when he was walking around, <laughs> <laughs> walking around yesterday, was not was not what I he feared it was. He was having you on, David. Okay. Although That's, he did, he didn't look like he was having you on when he was a set down to yeah. Mackenzie McDonald. I was today. genuine. I saw him walk past, and I was like, "Is, is that a limp?" And then I thought, "No." I do want be. to see Bublik, Djokovic happen. That's the section of the Ooh, draw, right? That, mm-hmm. that could happen. Yeah. yeah. 
Isn't quarters, he in the isn't, hasn't he got to beat Rublev to make that happen? Yeah, cool. it would be a quarterfinal. Because I've gone Rublev based on the limp. <laughs> <laughs> the limp that isn't. The limp that you decided not to tell anyone else about when they yeah, were doing so their we predictions. Put, we'll yeah, yeah, that's sort of insider trading or something, David. It's something unsavoury. Um, before we come on to talk about tomorrow's order of play, there was a, a story this morning about, or there was a lot of stuff going around social media from people that were in the queue, the famous Wimbledon queue. Um, lots of reports of the queue moving very slowly, lots of reports of people sort of getting there at times when usually you'd be able to get in for the start of play and play had started and they weren't anywhere near the front. There was a lot of discontent in the queue and there came a certain point in the day, I think it was very early afternoon, when people were being turned away and and encouraged not to join the queue at all. Uh, Wimbledon issued a statement on the matter. They said there's been an incredible demand from the public to come and join the queue on day one here at Wimbledon. Understandably, we're conducting an enhanced bag check operation. There has been a steady stream of guests entering the grounds since gates opened at 10am. We've thanked guests in the queue for their understanding. We've also advised those thinking of joining the queue today not to do so as we'll reach our grounds capacity this afternoon. Obviously, that was earlier on in the day. Um, I, I think the key line in that is about the enhanced bag check operation. I think very understandably, given the recent... Uh, protests there have been at major sporting events Wimbledon are I would imagine very nervous about that happening in here and wanting to prevent it at all costs Um, and I guess my guess is that is why they're doing lengthier bag searches you reported it you tipped us off this morning and said it's it's taking quite a long time even to to come through the um the, the press entrances, I guess the thing is whether anything can be done to speed up that enhanced bag check yeah. process or start earlier. I don't know, um, but I don't, I don't think anyone has any issue with bag checks no, being I, thorough. Look, I, I personally kind of, I'm, I, I'm relieved when somebody's thorough with a bag check myself. Um, admittedly, I'm there at seven in the morning, so <laughs> nobody else is trying to get through. But, uh, but I... I remember last year the queue. I went out to it because we'd missed um, we'd missed a couple of years of the queue. Well, we, we'd missed a year of the queue, and obviously the, the year before that, the pandemic meant that the tournament didn't happen. So we'd not had a queue for to see for a long time. And I went out to have a look at it last year, and it was noticeably down in numbers on what I remembered previously. Well, this year it feels like sport and attending sport has returned with a vengeance i mean we saw it at queens just incredible mm. crowds coming eastbourne enormous crowds general concert going every everybody's out going to events and it would it stands to reason that wimbledon would have a huge amount of people coming this year so that's a lot of people and then you've got the the extra checks and it's day one. I tell you, having worked behind the scenes at a tournament, day one does not go exactly as you want, ever. No, mm. It just doesn't. And and I think maybe a little bit of understanding of that needs to be factored into judgments about what happens at a tournament. Right. It's day one, but I do think it needs to be better on yeah. future days because I actually spoke to a fan of the pod, earlier who joined the queue at just before 6am they didn't get in till two o'clock 
I mean, what are we doing as a sport if <laughs> if that is the situation? I mean, seriously, that is mm. that is not on. They were letting in five hundred an hour, and absolutely right, they need to be doing these enhanced bag checks. Absolutely, but they need to have other measures in place to account for those bag checks. You know, whether it be more people or whether it be letting people in earlier. I know there's knock-on effects. Sniffer dogs. <laughs> And then there's knock-on effects for all of that. But no ulterior motive there. Send a load of dogs. <laughs> yeah, yeah it, I agree. And I'd be surprised if that wasn't today. the case. But, um, yeah, yeah we'll, see. we'll see in future days. Uh, tomorrow's order of play. This is what people will be queuing for tomorrow. Starting on Centre Court at 1.30, they have the, the staggered staggered start times here of course so 1.30 the latest start of any of the courts on centre for defending women's champion Elena Rabakina against Shelby Rogers upset watch for that I think for, for reasons we've discussed in the preview shows that's followed by Andy Murray against Ryan Penniston uh, again, as we discussed earlier, in a surprising slot on centre court. And following that match, last of the day, is Arena Sabalenka against Pana Udvardi. I picked Sabalenka in my predictions. What, to win the whole thing? Mm. Mm. I didn't know Me I was too. going to before I went in, but there I was on the number 93 bus picking Arena Sabalenka for Wimbledon. Court number one kicks off with Carlos Alcaraz against Jeremy Shardy. For anyone thinking, oh, Jeremy Shardy's uh, a good good grass court player he can be tricky Jeremy Shardy has already announced that this match will be his last ever <laughs> uh, which doesn't scream upset uh, upset I'm here for the upset does it <laughs> you're supposed to announce the tournament is your last ever Jeremy not that match but we'll, we'll see how it goes imagine if he beat Alcaraz and then just retired yeah. <laughs> just said okay mic drop I'm out <laughs> I can't get any uh, better than that second on number one court is Angebeur against Magdalena Fretsch. Uh Cam Norrie last year's semi-finalist against best tennis player in the world Thomas Machach is yeah. last on court one today court uh, tomorrow rather court two is awesome Tomorrow it kicks off with Dominic Team against Stefanos Tsitsipas. Then it's the Dan Evans comeback from two sets to Love Down against Contin Ali, subsequent to David Law's In- overnight voice note. By David. Then it's Jasmine Paolini, who, for reasons I can't quite remember, came up on our preview show. David somehow started talking I think about I might Jasmine have used Paolini her about, as, as an example of being a good draw. <laughs> <laughs> well, lucky Petra Kvitova because <laughs> right. that's her first okay. round opponent on court two tomorrow. <laughs> then it's Heather Watson against Barbora Krychikova. And finally, Daniel Medvedev against Arthur Ferry. Mm. But unfortunately, it's going to rain. So It is going to rain. <laughs> yeah, How it's going to rain. We have a wet weather position, folks. Do not fear. How badly are we talking about rain-wise? Well, fingers crossed it's not heavy sideways rain because then the wet weather position very much becomes a quite literal wet weather position. Uh, Court number three kicks off with the Brit George Lofhagen against Holger Rune. And if Lofhagen does uh, pull off the upset tomorrow, I've got... I've got George Lofhagen facts coming out my ears. You really do. Have you? I said to Catherine the other day... I think I actually said something like George Lofhagen and Catherine went... Hagen actually <laughs> and then delivered chapter and, chapter and verse on mm. his junior career his his Where's his time as a from? practice partner the fact that he'd come through the Joe Jury mm. I knew that bit come on Matt look 
I Look, did not know that. Let's Everybody wait and see what that. happens because I don't think necessarily now is the time for the George Lofhagen mm. dump. But, but Catherine but has takes. The, yeah, we're we're prepared <laughs> if if okay. uh, the unexpected <laughs> happens tomorrow. Then it's a resumption of the fifth set between Taylor Fritz and Yannick Hanfman. Zachary against Kostiuk. Third on court three, Zverev against Brewer. And then Sonny Cartel of beating Sophia Kennan fame against Madison Keys, the Eastbourne champion. It's going to be very interesting to see how whether Keys can carry through did the, the form from you Eastbourne. No, in the I didn't have Keys. You did. I did. A, I did a Keys don't thing. Trust her. I don't trust her either, but <laughs> I've got her in the quarters. Berrettini Sonigo first on twelve tomorrow. That's my pick for an upset. I don't I, think Berrettini's fit. That's a shame because I mean I'd love to watch that. Mm. Well, it was one, one and two just just a couple of was weeks it? ago when Sonigo beat Berrettini. Mm. Katie Bolter is playing tomorrow against Darius Saville. Uh, you got the resumption of Albot against Shapovalov. Tiafo plays on court 12 tomorrow. It is all happening, folks. And we will be here with a tennis podcast and a live YouTube programme from Wimbledon at the end of it all, just like we've done today assuming this has gone out yeah <laughs> which we don't know until we come <laughs> off air but no. fingers crossed folks <laughs> fingers crossed um our formalities we have our wimbledon mascot erin who i saw another picture of today and she looked considerably happier oh, really? about her status yeah. as mascot so relieved did, did Daryl give her some treats or tell her a joke or something no. okay. he, he caught her on a good day uh, so that's Erin our lovely Wimbledon mascot we'll be posting pictures of her in our newsletter and on our social media over the course of the fortnight we have our mascots I've got Xenia and we don't know we don't know Xenia how we performed on day one because it's all hanging in the balance overnight David's got Maisie Maisie we have had a day <laughs> oh we have had a day we went Ken in Maisie I know you know that because we talked about it but yeah 40 points to start 40. me off wow Matt's got Darwin mm. to quote Venus Williams we were literally killing it Darwin <laughs> and then the grass killed us who did you have Venus Williams oh right oh, okay no. uh, Billy Jean who's watching hello Billy Jean it's sponsored by Billy Jean King who might also be watching who knows and Alana Kloss same uh, we have our top folks and executive producers Jamie Hannah and Drew Ooh. hello to you and Matt we have shout outs and we start with Catherine Dina from Stratford upon Avon hey. hello Catherine that's right down Church the road from you. me same church, obviously. Yep. Different pew. Different K. K and Y. K situation. and Y. Oh, okay, yeah. strong, strong. Yeah. Great strong. name, Catherine. Like, uh, there were tennis Catherines. Catherine McNally. Kathy Rinaldi. Who lost today. Lost today to Jodie Burridge. Kathy Rinaldi. Yeah, who recently? But that's a Kathy. She. That's a different name. She stepped down. She recently she stepped down as Billie the Billie Jean, Jean King, King Cup captain. Yeah. The United States. Not all Catherines are Cathy's. Stratford upon Avon is a lovely place. And I think not all Cathy's are Catherine's. We're having different conversations. Home of Shakespeare. Stratford <laughs> upon Avon. <laughs> Thank you, Catherine. <laughs> We've also got Carolyn Koo. Great name. Carolyn is the the name that I'm often mistaken for. Caroline, Carolyn. <laughs> the, the, the number of emails we get saying, Dear Caroline. <laughs> yeah. Nope. <laughs> Uh, Caroline Wozniacki making a comeback. This is Carolyn. Oh, sorry. Sorry, Caroline. <laughs> what have I done? Okay. 
Yeah, she is from New York. Oh, strong of mm. US Open fame. Mm. That city has bailed us out from having to fail to think of a tennis Carolyn. Thank you, Carolyn. And finally, we have Dennis Curley. Dennis right, Curley. There's a there's a athletics Curley, isn't there? Is there? Yeah, yeah. Okay. There is. Do you know? I'm fairly sure. <laughs> not a great sentence to start with, <laughs> is it? I'm fairly sure there was a Curley who was the tournament director of the U.S. Open for many years. Would you believe as a surname? But I don't think it was Dennis. I think it was Jim. There's definitely, I feel like he's a discus thrower or a decathlete or something. What, Dennis? Curly, something oh, curly. curly. Right. Well, I tell you what we could go me. with. Dennis Law, former Manchester United footballer and sharing the same or, surname as me. Or Dennis Shapovalov. Or that, but not quite. Dennis Isterman. Yeah. Very True. good. Former Nottingham Open champion i think champion i, mean, I was that, there for it the fact that you didn't come up with uh, upsetting 16. novak djokovic at the australian 15. open is somewhat surprising mm. he did that as well yeah my dad's just sent me a message saying sean curley don't know who that is sean Dad. curley who played hockey for great britain uh, and was effectively the striker <laughs> for the great britain team that won gold at the olympics okay mr whittaker you and i understand it let's so. try try this one for size david pam shriver is texting me saying jim curley correct that's what i just said jim yeah. curley the u.s open i think tournament director pam Okay. What a I, great flex to end on. Pam Shriver's um, just texted I forgive me. you for Donna Vekic not winning points for me last P.S. week. P.S. Pam, happy birthday for tomorrow. Mm. Should have just saved that for tomorrow because yeah. we'll we be back tomorrow. We'll do it again tomorrow uh, because we'll be back tomorrow, folks, with another one of these. Day two, live from Wimbledon in this incredible position, overlooking a now sleeping SW. 19 uh we love being here it's such a great place to be we can't wait to come back tomorrow um like and subscribe please if you're watching on youtube what do your kids tell us that i should be saying they, to people they, they say hit that like button hit that like button i can't i, I smash that i can't say i can't say that with a straight Stuff face like that. no can't do it Sorry, please, kids. please like and subscribe if you're enjoying what you see uh leave us a, an apple podcast review that's a thing that you can yeah. do as well follow us on social media and generally keep tuning in however you're tuning in because we are delighted to have you and we will be back tomorrow 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.